Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time, in episode 45, we're going to take a deep dive into an article entitled 20 Reasons People Should Not Buy into Van Life. We're also going to take a look at what idling your van for heat and power does to your vehicle. We're going to have some van news that's going to focus on electric vans, a product review of restaurant condiment packets, and a place to visit in Idaho. Welcome back. Thank you very much for listening. I have noticed online a whole bunch of articles basically saying, don't do van life, it's all a lie. And while, yeah, Instagram does kind of, you know, overblow it with the photos of the bare toes sticking out the back of the van over the beautiful sunset, over the gorgeous beach, blah, blah, blah. We know that. But these articles are not actually designed to do anything except generate revenue for the people writing them. These are clickbait, and they're getting more and more common. I'm kind of annoyed by them, so I thought I would just pick one and tear it apart. It's from a website called homeaddict.io. You know there's a trustworthy source there. And it was written by the esteemed journalist named Shannon. Yes, she, she's not willing to give her last name here if she even exists. And this is one of those typical things that you click on and then every page is filled with ads. So I will have a link in my show notes to this thing, but you may not want to click on it. <laughs> Ironically, there is some value in this article because the points raised are valid, but the text about the points and the fact that they don't offer any solutions is kind of ridiculous. When you click on 20 reasons people should not buy into the van life, it brings up an article that is actually 40 reasons people should not buy into the van life. I'm just gonna say, hey, your accuracy is suspect immediately if your headline doesn't match your article. So let's jump in and see if they have any sage advice to offer us. At number 40, Options for showering are few and far between. Now, at this point, it becomes clear that this article was written in the context of COVID. And their paragraph about showering seems to relate mostly to the fact that many of the normal places van life people shower, such as gyms, are closed. Uh, even if the gym is open, oftentimes the showers are closed. Okay, that's true. It's sort of a temporary problem. We don't know how long it's going to exist. But... Yeah, you should consider how you're going to clean yourself when you consider van life. But the idea that clean yourself equals shower isn't actually true. There are many ways to keep yourself clean, and many people get by just with baby wipes and sponge baths and then the occasional shower. So, sure, consider how you're going to clean yourself, but don't think that a shower is the only way. And of course, if you want to, you can shower in your van. It is possible. Number 39, working in a cafe is no longer an option. Well, yes, again, we've got this COVID problem. That has nothing to do with being in a van. It's like that somebody wrote this article, Van Life During COVID Times, and then some editor changed it to be why you shouldn't consider van life. This is not permanent. You will be able to sit in cafes again. I promise. Number 38, tying down your belongings. Seriously, I have to read the first sentence of this. When you live in an apartment or house, you're probably used to leaving dishes in the sink and keeping laundry in a basket. 
but when you live in a van, it's impossible for you to be lazy about leaving your belongings around. Okay, so yes, guess what, folks? If you live in a van and you move the van, it moves. Stuff moves. You can't just leave half a glass of orange juice on the counter when you're driving. I suspect most of us have realized this by now, but is there a reason not to do van life? No. Number 37. It may cause issues in your relationship. I have zero relationship advice for anyone, but there's one thing that seems fairly obvious, that if you're going to live in a van with somebody else, you should have a very long discussion about what that's going to be like. You're going to be sharing close quarters. You're going to be very, very intimate. And yes, but that is not a van life thing. That is a human thing that can happen in apartments. That can happen anywhere. Number 36, you're responsible for expensive repairs. Of course, if you own a van, you're responsible for repairing it. And I suppose the analogy they're making here is that if you rent an apartment and the roof leaks, they're responsible for fixing the roof leak. I get it. But you're also not paying rent. That money will go to things like these repairs. Number 35, there is a mandatory two-week travel quarantine. Again, I suspect this article was written in a different way than the headline represents, but yes, it's true. There's a two-week travel quarantine and can't go to Canada. Border's still closed and it probably isn't going to open again anytime soon. Again, temporary. Number 34, van life blogging isn't sustainable. And what they mean here is that you can't expect to just jump in a van, start a blog and make enough money to live. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But that doesn't mean you can't do van life. That just means you have to plan on how you're going to support yourself. Number 33, traditional homeschooling isn't possible. Well, folks, that one is just plain old wrong. There are plenty of people homeschooling their kids in vans. In fact, nearly all kids who are involved in van life are already homeschooling because they can't go to a school every day. That is actually a solved problem. Number 32, social distancing makes meeting new people nearly impossible. That's not a van life problem, that's a COVID problem. And being in a van doesn't change that all that much. (laughs) Number 31, there's no room for a home gym. Oh, I was so excited about doing van life and then I realized my universal wouldn't fit in the van. All right, come on, seriously. There are many, many ways to stay active and stay fit that don't involve having a lot of exercise equipment in your van. Number 30, there is no space for stockpiling goods. True, you can't go to Costco and buy six cases of Diet Coke and store them in your van. Okay, you may not have space for that in your apartment either. It's just an adjustment. It is not a reason to give up on van life. Number 29, vehicle break-ins are on the rise. Break-ins are a problem, but you know what else is a problem? Break-ins in apartments and homes. So there really isn't that much different. Number 28, it's difficult to relax. That has nothing to do with your van. That has to do with you. Number 27, you're alone most of the time. Well, guess what, folks? I'm sitting in my basement doing a podcast all by myself. I'm alone most of the time anyway. I suppose if you work in an office and then you go live in a van, you might miss that. But for some people like me, hey, that sounds pretty good. Number 26, you're always asking for help. I have no idea what they mean by this. I am not asking people for help. I, (laughs) it's exactly the opposite. If anything, I don't need to ask anybody for help because in the van, I have everything I need. I I think that may reflect more on the author than on van life. (laughs) Number 25, doing laundry is a nightmare. Um, no, it's not. 
You go to the laundromat, you get it all done at once. And that's how millions of Americans do their laundry anyway. It really isn't any different. Number 24. Your dating life will change completely. I have never lived in a van and done dating, so I'm going to have to take this person's word for it. If you live in a van and you go on a date and someone says, if you're lucky, my place or yours, you got to negotiate that. And some people aren't into it. But you know what? Some people are. Dating is a minefield and an adventure no matter what your lifestyle is. And I'll tell you what. If someone is turned off because you live in a van, you're going to end that date early and save yourself a whole bunch of time. Number 23, it could make health issues worse. Eh, maybe. If you've got chronic health issues, you need to find a way to deal with those chronic health issues. For some people, living in a van makes it easier, especially people with mobility issues. 22, vans are very slow. <laughs> Oh, come on. Vans are actually not very slow. A lot of vans have big engines and are actually quite fast. They may not be nimble. Seriously, I can still get a speeding ticket in my NV200. Hasn't happened yet, but it could. Number 21. It's actually cheaper and possibly safer to fly. Let's say you want to travel thousands of miles and your point is to get from point A to point B. Flying can be a lot more convenient and a lot cheaper and it completely misses the point because that's a different activity. Number 20, there's no escape from bad smells. Eh, you know what? There actually is. It's very easy to air out the van. I have two sliding doors, a roof vent, front windows. If something odiferous occurs in the van, I can open all that stuff and I have completely brand new fresh air instantly. Number 19, it's difficult to keep the van clean. No, it's not. That muddy floor is like two feet by three feet, and you can sweep it out in about three seconds. In fact, I find it easier to keep a van clean than a house. Number 18. There is often no bathroom. Uh, yep, that's true. You're gonna have to figure out how to take care of number one and number two. There's 800 million ways to handle it. You can always get a camping toilet. Believe me, if you are looking for a way to take care of necessaries in a van, you're going to find all the resources in the world. Number 17, travel burnout is a thing. Yep, it's true. You can get sick of living in a van. But you know what else is true? You can get sick of living in an apartment, doing the daily 9 to 5 grind. And you know what? That's fine. There are no rules here. Sure, you can burn out, but you can burn out at anything. Number 16, there's no temperature control. Uh, there isn't if you don't install it. You absolutely can have temperature control. With the cheap Chinese diesel heaters for about 150 bucks, you can set a thermostat and have heat all the time. Air conditioning is much more difficult. Number 15, no running water. Um, I'm sorry, but if you want running water in a van, you can certainly have that. You can have running water in your van for about $3. Absolutely not an issue. What is an issue is that you have a limited water supply and that you will have to replenish it. Number 14. You're always worried about safety. Are you? I live in Chicago. I'm worried about safety. Am I worried about safety in the middle of the desert when I park my van? Not so much. Not really a van issue. Number 13. Getting in trouble with the police. Okay, sure, maybe the police will come knock on your door if you didn't do a good enough job of finding a place to park. But in almost every case, you just move and you're fine. Number 12, the weather dictates your lifestyle. 
True. There's an expression that you don't live in a van, you live out of your van. Yeah, that's going to depend on the weather. There's no doubt about that. But for the rest of the time, when you're reading or cooking or watching TV, you're going to be indoors, just like you would be if you were in a house. Number 11, breaking down. Yes, there is a risk that you can break down in your van. There's also a risk that your furnace is going to go out in your house or the roof is going to blow off. And yeah, while it may be more likely that your van's going to break down than any of those things are going to happen, you are never safe anywhere. Get AAA if it makes you feel better. Keep a buffer of a couple thousand dollars in the bank. Whatever you need to do, again, it's an overcomable problem. Number 10, it's difficult to relax. Uh, didn't we see that one before? Yes, we did. Number nine, social media accountability. What? Uh, I don't really even know what they mean by this. Uh, apparently, if you live in a van, you're required to post interesting social media content all the time. Number eight, space is limited. True. Minimalism appeals to a lot of folks who are living in vans. Number seven, your home can be seized. Yes, you do have to have this buffer emergency fund of what if you can't get access to your van. But again, it's a solvable problem. Number six, it's difficult to work productively. Judging by the quality of this article, you might be right. But again, that is a personal thing. I have complete control of my environment so I can be as productive as I need to be. Number five, finding free camping is hard to come by. There's free camping everywhere. I have spent nights in something like 60 different places, and I have never paid to spend the night in my van. Number four, you're always saying goodbye. Well, that's part of the traveling lifestyle. You know, I've traveled the world. I've been to something like 75 countries, and I've met amazing people that I knew when I said goodbye to them, that was going to be the last word I ever spoke to them. That's how it is with traveling. But think about it. If you didn't do this, you wouldn't even meet those people. So that's a travel problem. And hey, we live in the future. We have social media and email, and we can stay in touch with folks if we want to. Ten years ago, I had a tour guide take me around Kusadasha, Turkey, and I'm still in touch with him. I haven't seen him since, but we talk on Facebook every once in a while. He's a very cool guy. His name's Alibaba, and he, he drives a taxi. So if you ever encounter Alibaba in Turkey, tell him I said hi. He's a great guy. That's up to you. You can stay in touch with people if you want to. Number three, you don't actually save as much money as you expect. I'm going to give them points for this one. It's true. You have to do the math and figure out how much it costs every month. And some of the expenses aren't obvious. People don't think about insurance. People don't think about depreciation, where you spent $20,000 on this van this year, but that's going to reduce in value every single year until it's worth almost nothing. And at that point, you need to buy a new van. If you buy a house, that generally isn't true. Houses generally appreciate, although these days, who the hell knows? And then when you need to buy a new house, you can sell your old house and buy a new house. Vans aren't like that. You do need to make those plans. Number two, it's more difficult to host friends. I'll tell you what, there are a lot of van life people who are having amazing parties out of their vans because they're not living in their van, they're living out of their van. So they'll have a big campfire, invite people over, they'll invite people with their own vans. Lots and lots of people are having social activity in their vans, I promise you. 
And number one, the one thing that this article says is much more difficult for van life is having a pet. There are so many van lifers with pets. It's it's almost like if you have a van, it comes with a dog. You know, you open the glove box, and there's a puppy in there. Sure, there are some extra challenges. You can't just open the door and let the dog run out, although some people do. If you're in BLM land, I've seen people do that. But you know what else is true? If your dog is your best companion, you're going to be next to and with that dog all the time. And your dog's going to love that. Your dog's not going to be locked up at home or maybe even in a crate for 12 hours a day. So there it is, folks. We've just gone through 40 reasons not to do van life. And heck, I imagine all of you have taken those to heart and you've already turned off the podcast. I'm not even talking to anybody anymore. But even with all that, there are some good points in there. So take it for what it's worth. Okay, tech talk. I've seen a lot of folks asking lately about just idling their van, you know, just having the van running but not driving anywhere and using that for power. Because after all, your van is an electric generator. The engine runs, it turns the alternator, 12 volt DC comes out, boom, you're set. Well, there's some issues with this. First off, obviously you're going to use a lot of gas. Now diesels are better for idling than gasoline engines, but then you run into the problem of, is it legal? There are many, many places where it is illegal to idle a vehicle. That means that you can't just leave it on all night legally. Also, you have to consider that your vehicle was not designed to idle. A Honda generator or whatever is designed to sit there and make power and do nothing else. Your engine is completely engineered and designed to make the wheels go. Making power is important, but it's kind of supplemental. So it's not efficient and it does put a lot of wear and tear on your engine. Your engine is idling at a low speed and it is getting no airflow. So you've got a heat problem and you've got a problem in that your odometer can't be used reliably to judge when you should have an oil change. Because, hey, if you've driven 5,000 miles, but you idle your van eight hours a night, as far as your engine's concerned, you've done 20,000 miles. So you need to change your oil much more frequently. Now, there are some times when, it, when idling can be useful. If you're doing something that needs a lot of power for a short period of time, yeah, you could idle your van for five minutes. Like, let's say you're going to make some microwave popcorn and your batteries in the back are a little bit low and, you know, you have a microwave and an inverter. Sure, start up your van. And I'm assuming here you've got some sort of battery-to-battery charger set up. And then, yeah, let the engine power your microwave for five minutes. That's fine. Or, or when you're starting up your diesel heater and it's using a whole lot of power at the beginning, which is how these things work, absolutely, that's a great time to idle your van. But all night long, I know people do it. I don't think it's a great idea. And there's one exception to this, and that is if you're in a hybrid vehicle like a Prius, they are designed to idle. So a Prius you can leave on all night long, and it's fine. Uh, this is a very strange product review. When, when I first got into this van life thing, I was very conscious of space and also I didn't want to overload my refrigeration needs because I knew that being a part-timer, I would be turning the refrigerator off. Basically, I thought, hey, I'm going to use restaurant condiment packets. So like every time I would go to a 7-Eleven and buy a hot dog or whatever, I would pick up a couple packets of mayonnaise and a couple packets of ketchup and a couple packets of mustard. I mean, I wasn't being a jerk about it. I was just taking the stuff that one could conceivably put on a hot dog. Mayo on a hot dog? Hmm. And then I'd keep it in the van, and then I thought that was great. And it is great, but it's not great forever. What I've found is that these restaurant packets, 
they don't last forever. We kind of think of them as lasting forever because we only ever encounter them for a few minutes at a time, but no, they do expire. And one thing they really don't like to do is freeze and then get hot. Oh, I had a horrible experience with mayonnaise packets and a can of tuna fish that I, I, I still am not ready to talk about. So getting the condiment packets from restaurants and fast food places and whatever is great. Hold on to them. But you've got to rotate that stock. And boy, if you're going to be in a situation where your van freezes and gets hot like mine does, you're going to want to replace them very frequently or maybe don't have them at all. A place to visit. There, uh, so, Idaho. In the middle of Idaho, there's this great place called Craters of the Moon. I've talked about that before. But just outside of Craters of the Moon, in fact, the town that supports Craters of the Moon is called Arco. Arco like the gas station. Arco, Idaho. And they have the world's first nuclear power plant that you can tour. And it, it's a very cool place. It was never really designed to generate power for a large community. It was a conceptual project. And it's open to the public, and you can tour the reactor and the control room. It's very inexpensive. And one of my favorite things, they had these arms. That you grab these levers, and they're attached to these massive mechanical robot arms, and you can use them to manipulate things. You see these in movies all the time, and this is the only place I know of in the world where they actually let you use them because they're super expensive and hard to repair, and I'm very impressed they let you use these things. Also, another thing in Arco that you might not expect to see, but you will, is a nuclear submarine downtown. Yes, they have the conning tower of a nuclear submarine in the middle of Idaho. So, hey, it's Idaho. Go. Have some potatoes. Visit Arco. Listen to some Devo. I don't know. Do whatever you want to do. But if you're in that part of the country, I highly recommend you stop by Arco and explore some of the interesting things they have there. Okay, resource recommendation. <laughs> Wikipedia. Yeah, obviously Wikipedia is the ultimate reference for anything. But if you're researching a van and you want to learn more about your specific van, Wikipedia is great. And you may not have thought of that. You might be looking at cars.com or something like that. But my first stop is always Wikipedia because it has a complete history of every model of vans, what the changes were, which engine they have, what other vehicles have that engine, you can learn all kinds of things. Like my Nissan NV200 has the same engine as a Nissan Versa. That means if I needed a part for my van, I could go to a junkyard and find a Versa and perhaps find that same part. Little things like that are great to know. And the only place I know where you can find that information is on Wikipedia. For example, a Mitsubishi Delica and an NV200 are the same van for some years. And a Fiat Ducato and a Ram Promaster are the same van. Those are the kind of things you learn. All right, Q&A. This question's come up a lot lately. Gift ideas for van lifers. Uh, people are starting to think about the holidays. What are good gifts to give folks who are in the van life? So here's five ideas I have if you know somebody or you want to suggest somebody give you one of these things. The first one is, and I think this is always popular, interesting dried canned foods. Basically foods that don't need to be refrigerated, that are interesting, unusual, and maybe a little bit fancy. Because I think a lot of van life folks, despite all the videos, eat very plain, mundane diets a lot of the time. 
So maybe a selection of dried fruits or mixed nuts or fancy little cookies, that kind of a thing. The kind of thing someone living in a van generally wouldn't buy for themselves, I think that might be very much appreciated. Maybe a selection of teas or interesting coffees. Those things, I don't know, I'm speaking for myself mostly here, but I would like those. Number two, a USB fan. There are many kinds of USB fans out there. I have one that's on a little gooseneck that just plugs into any USB port, and I find lots of uses for that. Not only is it nice at times when I just need a little bit of fan power at night, it's also great for cooking when I've got a bit of steam going on and I kind of just want to blow it away from the general area. The USB little fan is perfect, and it uses very little power. Also, it runs on batteries. If you have one of those phone charger bricks that are so common, you can plug the USB fan right into that, and you have this little portable fan, and it will last all night long. Another great one, and I give these out as gifts on some of the trips I run, are nylon bags. I'm talking about bags that fold up into nothing, and then they hold a lot, and they're very strong, and they also come as backpacks, too. Ikea had these for about a dollar a piece, and I absolutely love them. I don't know if they still have them, but these bags are wonderful. You throw them in your door pockets, you forget about them, and then when you go shopping, you can use them, or if you have dirty laundry, you can use them, or... They even will hold water in many cases. So if you need a gallon of water, you can just dip that bag in the water and bring it to your van and then wash your van with it or whatever you're going to do. So nylon bags, I'll have a few recommendations in the, in the show notes, but I really like those. Another thing to think about is subscriptions to online services. Vans don't have a lot of space. You don't want to be buying people big things for their van. Online services are always welcome. And I include AAA in this. You can buy somebody a AAA membership just for a little peace of mind. You can always give them something like Netflix or give them a coupon for Redbox. So they, if they happen to have a DVD player or a computer with a DVD player or a video game system with a DVD player, they can get videos from Redbox, that kind of a thing. Very useful, very appreciated, and doesn't take up any space. And the last one, and I'm always constantly going to recommend that every van life person have one of these, and that is a multi-tool. In my pocket right now, it's part of my everyday carry, I have a Leatherman Wingman. I really like this tool. It is a great optimization of size and utility. Some are bigger and better at heavier duty things. Some are smaller and easier to carry. You'll have to figure out which one to get, but I use this thing so much that it, I think of it as being part of my hand at this point. So there's some ideas. I do have links in the show notes, and yes, they're affiliate links, or you can just Google yourself. It's not that hard. Let's have some van life news. Hey, there's a thing that's been going around. It's called the E-Bussy. E-Bussy. And it is this kind of Lego-like new concept for an electric truck platform. And um, it's modular. So you have this cab, and then you can put things on the back, like a van or a pickup truck or a dump body. It's only available in Europe, and actually it's probably not even technically available right now. But it's cute and they're calling it the next Volkswagen bus, which everything is called that when it's new. And it has this really weird feature that you can move the steering wheel and dashboard 
anywhere you want. So if you want to have a right-hand drive vehicle suddenly, you can just slide it all the way over because the entire thing is drive-by-wire. It has a range of about 120 miles. And uh, it has one little issue, though, for us van life folks, is that its top speed is about 56 miles an hour. So this may not be the vehicle you choose to cross the country in, but it is something that might be kind of cool for tooling around. And, bonus, it has an off-road version, too. So it's called the eBussy. I'm sure you're going to see it on social media. I have a link in the show notes. Also, and while this doesn't impact van life immediately, it will in the future. Amazon has just announced that they will soon be delivering packages in their new Rivian vans. Now, Rivian, you may have heard of, they were a company that came out with this prototype electric truck even before Tesla did in their Cybertruck. Well, they actually have built many, many, many vans for Amazon now. These things are done. They exist. This is not vaporware. And Amazon's going to be driving around delivering packages in these vans. And this means two things. Number one, we're going to have a large number of electric vans in the U.S., which we have not had ever before. True, FedEx did have some electric vans, but the company that made them went out of business and that kind of died. This could usher in an era of electric vans in the U.S., which could be kind of fun. Second, these things are going to get used and maybe Amazon will sell them when they're done with them. So there might even be used electric vans on the market. Kind of exciting bit of news. Link in the show notes. You may be having your packages delivered by electricity soon. And the last bit here is still kind of sad. As of the date of this podcast, October 21st, the Canadian border with the U.S. is supposed to be open. And according to the Prime Minister of Canada, it ain't going to happen. They do not believe that it is safe for Canadians to open the border because we have so many COVID cases in the U.S. and our numbers keep rising. Now, the numbers are rising everywhere, even in Canada, but our numbers here in the U.S. are just simply terrible. COVID continues to be a major problem, and because of that, you will not be able to, say, go to Banff this winter, or at least not for the next several months. Well, folks, thank you very much for listening to episode 45. Music, as always, is by Simon Wagg. If you'd like to get a hold of me or have any questions or complaints or would like to fold, spindle, or mutilate me, you can find me at builttogo.com. That's two T's, not one, not three, two T's. We also have a Facebook group. It's called Built to Go, a Facebook group. And I'm on Instagram at College of Curiosity. Until next time, remember, it's amazing the lies people will believe when the truth is actually much more interesting.